Riddle me this, dear viewer. When you're a movie studio that's flush with cash but short on imagination and creativity, and you want to keep exploiting an old franchise with a proven track record, but you've written yourself into a corner with poor storytelling decisions and left your franchise feeling stale and played out, or you've killed off characters that you wish you hadn't, or maybe the actors are getting too old and too expensive, what would you do? If your answer is to hire talented writers to dig you out of the hole that you've made for yourself in a way that's logically consistent and emotionally satisfying, or create new and interesting characters to replace the ones that are aging out, or even take a chance on a whole new IP that might be risky at first but offers up greater creative freedom and rewards in the long term, then clearly you're not thinking like a modern Hollywood executive. No, instead what you do is fall back on one of the laziest and contrived storytelling tropes since the rise of the unstoppable, infallible girl boss. I'm talking, of course, about multiverses. <coughs> if ever you needed an example of something that sounds good on paper but becomes a complete disaster the more it's actually used, then multiverses are the thing for you. And that's not to say that it's an objectively bad idea by itself. In fact, what I hope to show with this video is that when it's properly implemented, it can actually be a very effective storytelling device. No, the problems creep in when it's put into the hands of lazy hack writers who either can't or won't work within the rules of the established universe, or lack the imagination to move the story forward, and instead devolve into the cinematic equivalent of a hyperactive toddler banging different toys together. Now, I say multiverses because let's be honest, it's a pretty good catch-all term for what's actually a much broader and more diverse problem in the industry, and in reality it covers pretty much everything from alternate realities to branching timelines and lazy half explained retcons of past events. Each method is slightly different, but it all adds up to the same basic problem, and that's what I'm keen to tackle here today. So buckle up as we embark on another adventure into why modern movies suck. First up, let us try to understand the reason for using multiverses in a story, because there has to be some kind of motivation for doing them, right? Well, if I had to sum it up with two simple words, then they would probably be, what if? See, one of the great aspects of storytelling is speculating on the road not taken and what effect it might have had on your favourite story and characters. Like, what if Darth Vader offered Luke the chance to join him in Empire and Luke said, You son of a bitch, I'm in! Or what if Saruman managed to steal the One Ring for himself? Or Obi-Wan Kenobi died instead of Qui-Gon Jinn? Or Khan defeated Kirk and went on to build a new civilization for himself? Or General Bison was finally able to build Bisonopolis with an even bigger food courts. All of these things are pretty interesting to speculate on because they allow us to indulge our own imagination and creativity, to think about what we might have done if we were in charge of telling the story. Hollywood studios understand that same desire, and just like anything else where there's a latent demand for something, sooner or later they'll find a way to exploit it for money. And really, multiverses are the quickest and easiest way of doing it. Wish that Tony Stark had survived his final battle with Thanos? Don't worry, we can just hop into a different dimension and there he is, alive and well. Wish that Finn had become the last Jedi instead of Rey? Well, it happened an infinite number of times in other realities, and all it takes is a jump into a space whale or a bit of dicking around in the world between worlds to see it happen. Wish that Kyle Reese was still alive after Terminator 1? Nothing a bit of time travel can't fix. 
Pretty much anything is possible because you're no longer bound by the rules of the existing universe or even what happened in it up until that point. It's literally a dream come true for any writer brought into a long-running franchise with a ton of lore and backstory and tedious rules to remember because it allows them to basically ignore all of it and do whatever the fuck they feel like. Yeah, so Darth Vader can shoot bolts of force lightning out of his arse now and I don't care that he's dead and that's impossible because this is a different reality, you see. Hurry up and bring me another line. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's the shit. The avenues for exploring new paths and possibilities are quite literally unlimited, but so are the problems that they create, and this is the heart of the issue here. See, the only reason we as the audience ever get invested in a story, any story really, is because of stakes. If a character gets killed halfway through the story, then just like in real life, they're gone forever. It doesn't matter how much you like them or how badly you want them to pull through, they're dead and they're not coming back. If they're a well-written character that the audience empathises with, then it creates a genuine sense of loss and grief, almost like you've lost a real friend. That right there is the power of storytelling when it's done right, and the more the writers raise the possibility that even the most popular characters can die and be lost forever, the more they raise those all-important dramatic stakes because something that you care about is now in danger. But what happens when you introduce multiverses into the equation? Well, quite simply, you remove any sense of stakes. Suddenly death becomes less of a permanent tragic loss and more of a temporary inconvenience, a bit like restarting a level on a video game. Who cares that Character X heroically sacrificed their life to save their friends because in an infinite number of other realities he's completely fine. Shit man, if we really want to, we can even grab one of those other versions and pull them into our own reality as a convenient replacement. I mean, we wouldn't want the audience to feel bad or anything. Which really is the narrative equivalent of having your cake and eating it. On a personal level, individual stakes no longer exist because characters no longer exist as single unique entities that actually matter. Instead, each one is just an insignificant variation of an infinitely larger whole, with endless variety and complexity that can never truly die or succeed at anything, and so there's literally no reason to get invested in their struggle because there's infinite variations of it out there. It's the same problem when it comes to time travel, which is another bullshit method of undoing past events and rewriting your own story to suit your current needs. Like, how many times has the Terminator franchise been ripped up, rebuilt and rewritten, constantly changing and contradicting its own rules in the process? Everything we saw in the future was predetermined and trying to change it actually causes it to happen in the first place. Actually no, forget that, we just changed the future to make it better now. Nah, actually the future was always going to happen this way, you only managed to delay it. We sort of agree with that idea, but here's a bunch of additional tacked on shit that you never wanted or needed. Nope, in fact now we've gone back and messed with the past as well because we're fucking idiots. Wait, hold my beer, ignore what everyone else said because we've got an even worse storyline in to replace it. At a certain point, it becomes a complete waste of time to care about anything that happens in those movies because the next one's probably just going to undo everything you just saw. The T-800 sacrificing himself for the good of humanity was an awesome scene in Terminator 2, but now that I've seen it happen like three times in three different movies, it's not quite so special anymore. Now, believe it or not, Hollywood writers actually understand this problem that multiverses and branching timelines create for the audience. Unfortunately, their solution is almost as bad as the problem it's trying to solve because it involves ratcheting up the stakes to literally astronomical levels. Now it's not just a group of likeable characters you care about that are in danger, or even the entire human race, it's literally the entirety of all existence across the multiverse. Wow, that's really big. And big equals good, right? Wrong. 
Because here's the thing, the human mind isn't really designed to comprehend the world in terms of infinite possible realities across infinite universes, especially not on the kind of visceral emotional level that you need to sustain dramatic tension. Instead, it becomes nothing but an intellectual exercise, as dry and disengaging as a stock market summary. You understand the words that are being said and what's being risked on an intellectual level, but you don't really feel the magnitude of it, because how can you? How can you even begin to comprehend something so impossibly vast? This problem also gives rise to a phenomenon that I can best describe as antagonist dilution. Like, remember Agent Smith from The Matrix? Remember how he was this really sinister, intimidating antagonist because he was intelligent and ruthless and physically powerful and basically unkillable? And it took Neo literally dying to discover the power needed to defeat him? He was a pretty good villain, I liked him. Then cast your mind forward to The Matrix Reloaded, where Smith was able to replicate himself to the point where Neo ends up fighting dozens, if not hundreds of him all at the same time. Remember how much less intimidating and interesting he became? Because individually, he was no threat at all, and his only strength lay in his sheer weight of numbers. That right there is antagonist dilution. Just like with the multiple realities problem, our primitive monkey brains are conditioned to view characters as individuals, not as facets of a much larger whole. Antagonists are much more effective and memorable when they're conglomerated into a single powerful entity rather than a collection of weaker individuals. It's one of the many reasons that Kang the Conqueror was a fucking terrible idea as a villain, notwithstanding Jonathan Major's ridiculous overacting and career-ending legal problems. It's that we can't really view antagonists as a threat when you show them getting beaten again and again by low-level characters and try to wave it all away by saying, well, that's just one example of him. There's millions of other, more dangerous versions out there, don't you know? No, we don't, and we don't care how dangerous he is as a collective whole because that's not how we view people, and we never will. Now, much as I've shat on the concept of multiverses, I also want to make it clear that the real problem lies in the implementation, the overuse and the lazy short-sighted focus on novelty over meaningful storytelling, rather than it just being a fundamentally bad idea in the first place. Plenty of movies and shows have made effective use of alternate realities, like the TNG episode Tapestry, where a dying Picard laments the reckless youth that ultimately landed him in this position in the first place, and is given a chance to see what his life would have been like if he'd lived more sensibly and cautiously. Yeah, he ends up surviving, but the problem is that he becomes a boring arsehole who never amounts to much of anything, to the point where the real Picard decides he'd rather die as the man he is now than live on as the one he just saw. It's a potent reminder of the importance of taking risks, seizing opportunities and making the most of what life has to offer, and it's all contained within a single episode. Another example comes from Red Dwarf, a British sci-fi comedy series about a group of weirdos and slackers stranded millions of years from home. In the episode Dimension Jump, a new version of Arnold Rimmer arrives in our reality from a different universe, better known in this case as Ace Rimmer. Unlike our version, this one's charismatic, charming and heroic. Everyone else is smitten with him except Rimmer himself, who takes an instant dislike to him because he assumes the guy must have had all the opportunities and lucky breaks that he never got. He's a living example of what Rimmer could have been if he'd had a better lot in life, and it feeds into the persecution complex that pretty much defines his character throughout the show. But in a neat little twist, we ultimately find out that Ace was kept back a year at school when he was still a kid, while our Rimmer was allowed to go on and graduate as normal. Instead of breaking him, the humiliation of his failure forced Ace to work harder and better himself, ultimately becoming a much stronger and more capable man as a result, whereas our Rimmer became complacent and blamed everyone else for his failures in life. It's an interesting little character 
character study and an excellent example of how failure can be the making of a person or the breaking of them. It all just depends on how you deal with it. I could go on and on with this stuff, but the point I'm making here is that multiverses can be a useful tool in giving characters and the audience a different perspective on things they normally take for granted, but they function best when they're used sparingly. Neither of the examples I gave here had world-changing consequences for the wider show they were part of. They didn't try to frame themselves as epic confrontations where the fate of all reality hung in the balance. They were just little windows into other possible futures that eventually snapped shut once they'd served their purpose. And in both cases, they were used to support excellent writing rather than compensate for its absence. That right there is the big difference between them, and it's one that Hollywood writers would do well to remember. Anyway, that's all I've got for today. Go away now.